You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to Terps and the Pros on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Matt Levine and Jordan Gold with you today as we recap week 11 of the NFL for former Terps and talk about some NBA former Terps as well, some dealing with injury and some bye weeks for Terps in the NFL coming up. But we'll start with Stefan Diggs. Last week had another big game and now they go into a bye week. He basically helped the Vikings come back and beat Denver. He had five catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. It was a 54-yard touchdown, and he caught all of the five targets that were thrown his way. So, Jordan, we talk about how he's been up and down, but he's kind of come back and be, been pretty solid in the past couple of weeks. First of all, this was one of his this was one of his uh, best games in a little while. He had had that really hot stretch, and then I think it was two two games after that he had struggled a bit, and then he comes into this game against the Broncos. Obviously, Broncos are not a great team, but they do have a great secondary, mainly Chris Harris Jr one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he was matched up with Diggs all game long with the Adam Thielen injury. So, I mean, they were really just focusing on Diggs, the Broncos secondary, and uh, Diggs Diggs was the winner of the battle. I mean, five catches, 121 yards, and that touchdown he just blew by Chris Harris Jr. on. So it was it was a successful day for Diggs, and I, I think it was one of his – most impactful and definitely one of his best games of the season. I know he's had games with more yards and more touchdowns, but I find this game to be so impressive just given the matchup going against Chris Harris Jr. without someone like Thielen in the lineup. I just I just find that really impressive for Diggs and a great way to go into the bye week for the Vikings. And he's been a main reason why the Vikings are 8-3 and three now. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is like the leader of that offense. He's got a lot of touches, but Diggs started out with horrific games and now if you look at his overall stats for the year he looks like he's having a great season and I think it's because he's made up for that those bad games early on in the year he's made up for it with really phenomenal games and then now it's just solid performance after solid performance he's pretty inconsistent I mean that that has been something that we've seen throughout his career and it was definitely um shown a lot more this season but like you said Matt he has really made up for it with his uh, past couple games, or with his uh, breakout games this season, excuse me. And I think that uh, if he can have a couple more good games, I think he could be in line for his first Pro Bowl appearance. I would have to agree with that as well. I mean, he's up to 19.1 yards per catch. He has 880 total yards, five touchdowns, and a lot of this is a lot of the touchdowns are longer than just red zone targets where he breaks free and kind of does it more on his own, getting past the secondary. And I think that's very important other than just being a red zone guy. Diggs also had some really nice things to say about Kirk Cousins after the game. His quote was, he said, Kirk threw a hell of a ball as usual. He's playing lights out and doing a great job. You need to give him more. You guys need to give him more credit. You guys are hard on him when he isn't playing well, and right now he's doing everything he can. I just want you guys to give him a pat on the back. Obviously referring to the media and the harsh criticism that the media gives Kirk Cousins. And I think this this speaks volumes for Diggs, and not only with you know how well he's been playing, but also his maturity. It was just a couple weeks ago that he was sending out subtle 
um, tweets basically saying he wanted to get traded. He wasn't didn't seem too happy with Kirk Cousins, and then it is all turned around for Diggs and the Vikings. And I think that they are definitely one of the favorites in the NFC. Yeah, I would agree that they are one of the favorites. And another guy in the NFC, DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. He's having another pretty solid year. Didn't find the end zone. I think you predicted he would uh, on the last week's podcast. But he had another really, really solid game with eight catches and 95 yards. Longest catch was 31 yards. And they got demolished by Atlanta. And Atlanta's not even that good this year. But it, just DJ Moore's been able to just put up solid performance after solid performance. And although he's not finding the end zone, he's getting yards, he's getting catches, he's getting targets. He had 15 targets in this game. So he's really leading this offense in terms of being the lead wide receiver, although he's not scoring. I'm really impressed with, with what we've seen from DJ Moore. I mean, this uh, it was tough not to see the touchdown. I really thought he was going to have a touchdown, just given how bad the Falcon secondary was. But no one on the Panthers scored a touchdown. They go out and they get smacked 23. 20- nine to three but Moore still has a good game in what was Kyle Allen's worst game of the season at quarterback he threw four interceptions but Moore still got his he still got 95 yards and he catches 15 targets I mean that's that's an insane workload for for Moore and I think that's a really good sign I saw he's averaging 11 targets per game over his last five games so that, sh- that should have Maryland fans, that should have Panthers fans, that should have his fantasy owners really happy. And I, I really think that Moore is a budding star in this league. And he just needs to find, just needs to get a couple more touchdowns. And I mean, he's, I mean, he's a, a great receiver regardless. But I mean, just a couple more touchdowns would just make everyone a little happier. I think he's put up really, really solid performances. And people... The media, fans, whatever, they try to look at who's scoring the most touchdowns. And sometimes it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily matter who's scoring the most. It could be the guys that are setting up the team to score. And I think DJ Moore, although obviously not in this game where Kyle Allen was just horrific, but in other games, DJ Moore not being the guy that's scoring, he's the guy that's getting the getting catches going into the red zone. And if he gets tackled, that sets his team up to score. And I think he's been really just had another really good year. And I think he's been better than he was in his rookie season last year. And uh, Yannick Ngakwe had a pretty historic day for him. He had four tackles and a sack. And with that sack, he moved into second all-time in sacks in Jacksonville Jaguars history. So, I mean, you can't say enough about him. Ngakwe is just continuing to solidify his Pro Bowl case and his case for a massive payday at the end of this season. Like we've talked about on this podcast, Ngakwe is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. And I think there's a good chance Jacksonville has to slap the franchise tag on him because of just how well he's been playing. This is not a guy you want to just lose. I mean, whether it's a tag and trade situation or if they are able to come to an agreement on a long-term deal. I think Ngakwe is just playing so well for them. He's now up to five sacks on the season. And if you remember, he was injured a little bit. He started a little slow because he uh, um, sat out a lot of training camp, and now he's back, and he has really found himself. And he's he's one of the best players for the Jags. I mean, they they struggled. They lost to the Colts 33-13, to but they're still in it. They're 4-6. and six. They got to win a lot coming up, but 
if they are going to make a push for the playoffs, and Gakwe is going to be a big piece. And I think that he, we, we say it each week, he's kind of taken that lead spot on defense, and he's just been so good at getting to the quarterback, forcing fumbles. We mentioned it all. And I think he's just so all around. Like he's he's really just such an all around guy, and he can really do everything. Whether it's he can force fumbles, he can tackle, he can sack, he can get to the quarterback, he can make so many different plays that people don't really look at in terms of a defensive lineman. But I think he is just so solid, and he I think he'll get to a Pro Bowl this year along with Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I think that would be really cool to see both of them in the Pro Bowl and. I, I agree. I th- I definitely think at least one of them is making it. I would think both. I mean, maybe we're a little biased on this podcast as Maryland guys, but I think they're both having phenomenal seasons and definitely deserve to be recognized for that. And J.C. Jackson of the New England Patriots had three tackles, and he had the game-winning pass breakup against the Eagles. So we haven't really talked about him much since probably the first three weeks of the year. Uh, we kind of just focused on the big names once basketball season started, but we got to go back to him because he had a big play at the end of that game. I think I think we're a little in the wrong for leaving J.C. Jackson out. I was reading it. I think I think it kind of flies under the radar a little bit because he's a cornerback and he's not. He doesn't get those stats that show up, and I mean, you really have to be looking deep to see his impact in the game, but. I was reading this. It says he played 50 snaps on Sunday. Uh, those He allowed 17 yards, and that was the most yards he's allowed since week three. He allowed his first catches since week five. I mean, he is playing so well this season, and we really haven't even been talking about it on this podcast, and we need to start because he's one of the most underrated players for the Patriots. We talked about it when he had that two-interception punt block day. But he is one of the best players on the Patriots right now and definitely needs more attention. And uh, Josh Woods with his first career NFL sack. So two historic, or tackle rather. So two historic days for Terps in the NFL. Josh Woods with his first career tackle. Yeah, very cool for Josh Woods. I know, I know uh, him and Lila are close and she's a big fan of his. So it's good to see him do that. And, um, I'm I'm happy to see him do that after you know being a healthy scratch for most of the season for the Bears. They're a little banged up, so it's nice to see him get the opportunity because we know how hard he's been working and uh, how badly he wants to be out there for the Bears. And we mentioned Diggs had, uh, is going into a bye week, and we did not mention Darnell Savage because he's coming out of a bye week. Then now the Packers will take on the 49ers on Sunday Night Football this week. Primetime matchup. You always look at Aaron Rodgers in those games, but I think it's time to look at Darnell Savage in these games too because he's a guy that likes the spotlight, and he's just been putting up a great year in his rookie season. Savage has played really well in those primetime games, going back to that first game of the season against the Bears on Thursday night. And I know in some of the other games that he has had in primetime, he's been pretty strong. So I'm expecting a big week from Savage, especially coming off the bye week. Savage... Hadn't missed time. I mean, he played the past couple games, but he was injured. So, you know, you get that extra week of recovery. I think he's coming in with a lot of juice. It's a huge matchup going against the 49ers. These are two of the best teams in the NFC. So I'm really excited to see this matchup go down. And DJ Moore and the Panthers will play the New Orleans Saints, which usually it's a game that's always looked at as Breeze versus Cam Newton. But now without Cam Newton, it's Kyle Allen at quarterback. I think even if he doesn't play well, which he didn't 
DJ Moore is still able to put up numbers. And I think this is a game that can go sort of like a shootout. The Saints, they have a good defense, but they're usually high scoring, uh, especially in the divisional games against Atlanta and, and teams like and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I really do think that DJ Moore can have another good week against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans is definitely a tougher pass defense. And, I mean, going against Marshawn Lattimore and those guys. Um, but I, I agree. I think DJ Moore could have a really good week just from the sheer volume that he's getting. I mean, 15 targets last week, averaging 11 the past five weeks. That's that's big-time numbers when it comes to targets. And even if you're going against a top cornerback like Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, you're with that opportunity, you're bound to have a pretty decent game. And this is a huge, huge game for the Panthers. I would say it is a must-win game for Carolina. They sit at 5-5 five and five in a super-crowded NFC wild-card picture. They're not going to win the division. The Saints are going to win that division. So, I mean, their only hope is the wild-card, and the wild-card is really good right now, and they are definitely on the outside looking in. So this is a huge game, a must-win for Moore and the Panthers. And... I, I don't know if they get it done. I mean, you see them go out and have a clunker against a team like the Falcons, and I I just think that uh, the Saints might be a little too much for them. I think that's a that's an interesting matchup. That I think everyone should watch that. To I, the Saints are a fun team to watch, but in terms of watching Maryland former Terps DJ Moore, who's just put up solid solid numbers all year, so. I expect him to have another good game. I don't know if the Panthers will, but I think it's going to be another story where they can get blown out like they did against Atlanta, and DJ Moore still puts up pretty good numbers in terms of yards and targets, as you mentioned. And another team that's playing in division, the Jaguars, and Ngakwe will take on Tennessee at a a 4.05 p.m. start on Sunday. So what do you expect from that game for Ngakwe? Um, I mean, that's that's another – you talk about a must-win. I, th- I think that is definitely a must-win for the Jags. I mean, they're sitting at 4-6 and six also on the outside looking in when it comes to the AFC playoff picture. And that's a tough divisional matchup against the Titans. But I, I think Ngakwe keeps it rolling. I, I'm saying he gets another sack. He has just been balling recently, and I, I don't see him slowing down. I agree. I think there's no slowing down for him. He's 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 got to do it, and he's got to do it now because the Jaguars are looking to make the playoffs. And they need him. It, their offense is is not it's not quite what it was earlier in the year, and it was all like Minshew mania that has kind of died down now. But I think this is now if the defense plays well, it's all in the offense to carry them, and I think that he will help the defense play well. And uh, the Patriots and J.C. Jackson take on Dallas. That's a pretty good game this week. So the Dallas Cowboys with a pretty, I would say a pretty good offense. I think they are the the number one offense in the NFL right now. So Jackson is going to have his hands full with a great receiving core out there in Dallas and a great quarterback in Dak Prescott. You got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, who's really broken out this year and the resurgence of Randall Cobb for the Cowboys. So I think this is going to be a really tough matchup for Jackson. And I think it's going to be one where he's really tested because the Cowboys love to air it out. I, I think that's that could be one of the games of the week. I mean, you got two heavyweights going against each other in the Patriots and the Cowboys. I definitely think the Patriots come away with the win, but I think it's going to be real high scoring and a uh, 
tough matchup for Jackson. One of the tougher matchups he's had in a long time. So be on the lookout for all of those games for former Terps in the NFL. We'll move on to basketball. It is basketball season well underway into the NBA. The Timberwolves with Jake Lehman sit at 8-6. and six. The Atlanta Hawks with Kevin Herter, Bruno Fernando, and Alex Len are 4-9. and nine. And we'll talk about Kevin Herter first. Not too much to say about him because he hasn't played since our la- we last recorded this podcast. He had a, he excuse me had his, has a shoulder injury, so I don't really know what to talk about this. But do we think that he'll? I, I don't know the severity of this. Was it announced yet? I haven't seen anything on Kevin, but I knew he was flown back to Atlanta, and I think that the last I saw, the teams were looking at his MRI. So the latest with Kevin, um, Hawks GM Travis Schlenk was on Atlanta Sports Radio this week, and he was quoted, he said, we actually got good news last week. Kevin flew back to Atlanta after the Denver game, met with our doctors. It was about as good as it could possibly be. He had one of the muscles in his shoulder that just got strained. Nothing was torn. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, um, and then hopefully... They're looking at a four- to five-week process for him. Um, Schlenk said it was a pretty scary thing that happened, but it turned out about as good as, good as it could be for the Hawks. And I think that I, – I agree with that. I saw that play, and that, that was a scary-looking play. His arm just did not go in a direction you want to see it go in. He got whacked by Nikola Jokic, and I think – I agree with Schlenk. I think the Hawks are pretty fortunate that he's only looking at really missing a month or a little bit over a month. And I think it'll be tough for him to get back out there, find his groove again, just gets injured right as he was finding his groove. So I think once he does get back out there, it is going to be a little slow for him, but I think he'll uh, get going and uh, find his groove again, I guess, uh, in around like mid to late December. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate for the Hawks and for Herder. And for for the league, really, because Herter was – he obviously started out slow. He had a knee injury, missed all of the preseason. Started out pretty slow, and then he started to really heat up. And he had a phenomenal game up until this injury. I think he had 11 points on four of four shooting. So, I mean, he was looking like he, like he was last year, the way he was shooting the ball. He looked even better than he did last year. So, it's kind of unfortunate that he went down at a time where he was starting to progress really well. He was really coming into his own, and it, it really sucks. But he has a ton of time left in the season once he comes back from this injury. I'm not worried at all. I think he'll come back. I think he'll continue to do what he had been doing before the injury, and I think he'll still end up having a really nice season. And Bruno Fernando with the Hawks as well. Four and a half points per game now and 2.8 rebounds. He hasn't really been getting the amount of minutes that we saw him get earlier or in terms of important minutes. He hasn't been really getting. It's more of the garbage time at the end of the game. And it's kind of, it's very sporadic as well. So I don't really know what's going on with Fernando, but I I think he should get more minutes and more of meaningful minutes and more of a chance to, especially with the, with the suspension of John Collins. I mean, that just opens up so much more room, which I thought would allow Fernando to get more time. And it really hasn't. So what do you think about Bruno Fernando, Jordan? Uh, So the Hawks really kind of shook up what they were doing at center. Originally, it was Alex Len starting, and then they had Fernando really getting most of the backup center minutes. Damian Jones also getting some minutes, and they shook it up because Len was really struggling. And so 
Damian Jones is now the starter with Len and Fernando coming off the bench. And Len's really still getting those kind of starter minutes. He's just coming off the bench. And it also has led to Jones getting more minutes. And I think that has been the reason why Bruno hasn't been playing as much. But I think this is uh, this is pretty normal for a second-round pick. And I think that Bruno has been playing decent with the minutes he's been given. And... I think he's going to continue to play well when given the opportunity, but it's just going to take time. I mean, it's November of his rookie season as a second-round pick, so it's going to take time. And I think it'll also be his playing time will be determined by how well Damian Jones and Alex Len play. So I think that remains to be seen. I think the Hawks have a lot of uh, unanswered questions in their front court, obviously with the John Collins suspension. So. I think there is an opportunity for Bruno, but he just needs to uh, continue to make the most of his minutes and uh, control what he can control. And Alex Len, you mentioned uh, 6.3 points per game and almost five rebounds per game. He had his best game of the season on Thursday night against his former team, the Suns, which was in Arizona. Two, uh, he had 21 points and 10 rebounds on 7-11 shooting from the field. So, He's really been quiet since then, but that kind of shows what he's capable of. It definitely shows what he's capable of. Len had a great game against a much improved Suns team. The Suns fans were actually booing him every time he touched the ball. I mean, he's not a very well-liked guy out there in Phoenix. Uh, he's been referred to as a bust by a lot of those Phoenix fans. So I think he, he was really playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he wanted to show that he can get it done and show the improvements he's made since he's been on the Hawks, and he did exactly that thing that sucks for Len is he hasn't really done it at all this season besides that game. So I think Len, he just needs to start consistently doing that, and he'll be well on his way to getting that starting rollback for the Hawks. But I think Len, it, that game definitely meant a lot to Len because he did not – I from stuff I've read, he didn't like being in Phoenix. He – I mean, the Suns are one of the – most poorly run organizations in the NBA and he was one of the beneficiaries of that uh poor organization so I think that he was he was really happy to get that good game against a crowd that was booing him that doesn't really like him for whatever reason I mean he's a great guy and I I mean you you don't like to see someone get booed like that just because they didn't play well when they were on the Suns and I think he showed those uh Phoenix fans, uh, what he can do and what they have been missing. I think he should keep that up a little bit more. I mean, he, now he has the confidence that he can do that. And he did it against a team that he that he obviously heard the boos. I mean, players can say all they want, but they block that out. But it's tough to do that, especially against your former team. Fans getting loud and, and whatever. But I think he has he should have the confidence now to know that he can do that and start to play some better basketball. Obviously, he's been quiet since then, but I expect him to pick it back up a little bit more. And Jake Lehman on the Timberwolves, we mentioned, he has a toe injury now, and he was picking it up just like Herter was, having a great year to start. He had 10.5 points per game, 2.9 rebounds, 21 points against the Rockets on Saturday night. So, And then now he has this toe injury, and he's ruled out, at least for tonight's game, which we are recording on Wednesday. So this game would have already happened by the time the podcast comes out. But I don't know how long-term this will be, but it's just tough to see Lehman go down, especially when he was playing as well as he has all of his career. 
I, yeah, I did not see the play that he got injured, but from what I've read, it just sounds like it's a pretty minor toe injury. The Timberwolves aren't too worried about it. It looks like he's listed as day-to-day. Obviously going to be missing the next game, but I would think he'll be back within the next game or two after that. I mean, toe injuries can definitely linger, and I mean, well, they can sound minor sometimes. You see it in football all the time. They definitely can linger and be a more serious injury, but I think that Lehman is probably okay um, he's, like Matt said, he's having a great season, averaging 10.5 points per game. He's coming off a game this past week, um, this past Saturday night against the Rockets, 21 points, 9 of 14 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3. So, Lehman has really been playing a key role in the surprisingly good Timberwolves team. I mean, he's playing a great role for them off the bench, and I think that it would... Um, his absence will definitely impact their play, and hopefully it's not for uh, too long. And these two teams are going to face off against each other on Monday in Atlanta. The Hawks will take on the Bucks tonight, which the game would have already happened, we mentioned, as this will come out on Friday. The Hawks play the Pistons on Friday. They play the Raptors Saturday. And then they get the Timberwolves on Monday night at home. I think that's a big game to watch, especially – I don't think Herder will be back, but – I think that Lehman could potentially be back for this one and play against some other Terps. So I think that's a pretty good game to watch. This is It's very unfortunate that Herter is going to be missing this game, this uh, clash of all the Terps. But I think it will be really cool to see them all play. I would think that Lehman probably has the biggest impact on the game given what we've seen this season. But who knows, maybe Len has uh, another little breakout game. But I think it will be cool, hopefully... All the guys can take a picture after the game or something, have uh, Terrapin Hoops throw that up on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that game. And definitely sucks that Herder won't get to be a part of it. But, obviously, they will play again later in the season um, in Minnesota. So, hopefully, uh, all four of the Terps are healthy for that game. And just a quick update on a Terp in the MLB who did not win Rookie of the Year, Brandon Lau. He was... I don't know if he was the runner-up or came in third. He but was third. Third in AL, MVP, uh, AL Rookie of the Year voting. Jordan Alvarez took that one, as Jordan mentioned. That was pretty obvious. But still impressive that a guy who was injured for most of the year made the All-Star team and was up there for the top three in AL Rookie of the Year. So I, I expect big things from him next season. Yeah, I definitely expect big things from him. And I think for the future, I think he's a player that uh, – is definitely going to be a key piece for the Rays, a young Rays team, scrappy team that uh, kind of gets it done without really any high-paid players. So we'll go back to the NFL to kind of wrap things up, and we always try to predict who will have the biggest week and kind of what week they will have. I will say that DJ Moore has a great week this week against the Saints. I don't know if the Panthers will win this game necessarily. I think the Saints will dominate but dj moore nonetheless i think he'll have another solid game i'll say he has over 100 yards and he does get a touchdown in this game wow bold bold, bold prediction. prediction with uh, dj moore i'm gonna go i'm gonna go darnell savage i think that he really shines in this prime time matchup against a quarterback who hasn't necessarily proven himself to be you know one of the top quarterbacks in the league yet and jimmy g so I think that uh, Savage has a big game, and uh, I think that the Packers come away with a win in uh, prime time on Sunday Night Football. So that'll do it for us and on Terps in the Pros. We hope that you stay tuned with all of the coverage at TestudoTimes.com, and 
Look out for a big week for former Terps. We thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week right before Thanksgiving to wrap up more Terps in the pros action.